in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello, welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Tess Sokol, and joined by my Hellfire Club uh, partner in crime and uh, member of Dungeons & Dragons, Chris Tour. This edition of Potential Picks, we are reviewing Volume 2 of Stranger Things Season 4. This is the uh, long-anticipated, only, you know, long-anticipated, I say, you know, about a month later, uh, you know, follow-up uh, to season four of this hit Netflix series, Stranger Things. Of course, we did a review of volume one before. We're very excited, a lot of anticipation. Of course, they were going to be breaking this up. And this is a big thing we've noticed with trending shows that they're kind of breaking the up into kind of two halves or a quarter, what have you. In this one, we have two episodes, one being over an hour and a half, uh, the other one being over two hours. So... We're going to jump right into this now. Just a uh, fair warning. There's a lot to unpack here. And Chris, this is the first time Chris and I have discussed this. Uh, but there will be spoilers. Spoiler warning. You've been warned. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump right into this. Uh, Chris, right off the bat, I know we were really pumped about this. Uh, I just, after recording this, this is a day after I just watched it. So, I'm fresh off the Stranger Things train. Uh, wow. Just so much going on with this uh, season. I mean, this season's been huge, and as we discussed with Volume 1, we had really our main group of characters branched out into four different main plots, uh, which was kind of big that, you know, all the show has always been them and Hawkins dealing with the horrors of the Upside Down, but now we've really spread out even to international uh, degrees here. Uh, but yes, Volume 1 was huge. I mean, it came back with a vengeance after a three-year hiatus, and... We had a lot going on, these supersized episodes, big plots, and really the ultimate reveal at the end of, of Volume 1 that Vecna is number one. Uh, you know, we've always wanted to know with Eleven, who are these other children that were, you know, taken into the situation of Hawkins' lab? Well, we've always wanted to know who was number one. Well, number one was Henry Creel, uh, who has become Vecna, you know, Eleven blasted him upside down and he became Vecna. And we wanted to know more about that. And we knew that this guy was, uh, he means business. And so there was, there was a lot kind of how it left off. And so we had these little trailers for volume two and here we go. Uh, and one thing that was interesting is we've, we've talked about how it does feel like Netflix is starting this new trend of splitting up things. The Duffer brothers made it sound like they had to split up the season that way because eight and nine were not done with all this, you know, visual effects and, and editing. Who knows if that's true or not? I mean, it was only a month break. But yeah, it wasn't like it was like months later. It yeah, like, it wasn't like six months later for these two episodes. Listen, but, we had uh, to make sure the color palette on Vecna's veins looked, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'll i start off with, I think what was great about episode eight, uh, titled Papa, it was mostly about Dr. Brenner and Eleven. And, you know, we've always had this, there's always been the side with Matthew Modine's character of, are we supposed to trust him? Do we not trust him? Uh, you know, it feels like he's doing what he's doing for Eleven in a good way, even if it's sometimes, you know, obviously there's there's the creepy side of his whole thing was he stole children from mothers, brainwashed them, and then put them in this program and all this stuff. 
Uh, but I like that, you know, Eleven did kind of get her powers back. And it's, you know, there was a lot of Empire Strikes back going on in this this whole show of my friends are out there. She starts to see that Vecna's a thing. And like, and it was just so interesting how they went from like, we need to have these memories pop back for her to experience them to get her powers back. But then right into they're like, look, we know Vecna is number one. We have to get you out there to fight. Like, it was just weird that all of a sudden they're like, let's talk about the truth. We know who one is. And I like that the big kind of reason why in a way Brenner was like, no, you need to stay and keep doing your powers is he does have this attachment to Henry still. He still has this attachment to number one. He almost like doesn't want to see Vecna die because he is one of his, you know, chosen children, even though there was a big falling out. You know, Well, and it's kind of ambiguous too, is this, this episode is, was the whole time was, was he using her to find him again? So it was kind of ambiguous where she's like, she's calls him out on it. Like, this is all your fault. I said, no, this is your fault. And it was like, if I hadn't been searching for him, he wouldn't have been able to come find back. me. Yeah. Because yeah. all those all those things, even from season one where she had to go, you know, she does that thing where she'll go in the bath and or in the, the, the deprivation chamber. Yeah. yeah. And it'd be that I love the visualization, how they do in the show. It just looks like a giant black room with, with you know, a water on the floor. And she went and touched the Demi-Gorgon, and that was a big part of plot, you know, season one. And that's happened multiple seasons. She's had to go through that whole mind tank thing. And it's true. It was, he was sending her out to find, to find him. And I think that it comes down to, in the end, a lot of episode eight was the bad government guys are coming to the lab to try to get Eleven because they think Eleven's the one doing these murders in Hawkins. And we have our, our lovely crew of, you know, Mike and Jonathan and Will and the guy who's always high. Argyle, yeah. Argyle, who's hilarious. Uh, they show up in time, and I it was kind of a cool big action moment. These military guys coming in, and Dr. Owens has been locked up, you know, and, and he's stuck. And Eleven has, you know, on point Eleven did try to escape, and Matthew Modine puts that little bit of a sleeper juice into her, and uh, he does put that collar on her we saw earlier in a flashback. Uh, but that cool moment where she just blows up that, you know, she puts the helicopter down and it blows up all these tanks and it was just exciting. And the the reunion finally of our of our, you know, Mike and all that. But Dr. Brenner, the the way he went out was a little like oh, I wanted more of his character because I thought he was such a good character. But in the end, he did get 11 out. He saved her from these guys. So at the end of the day, he kind of have to go. He's a flawed villain kind of hero. I don't know. Don't know where he stands. I'll, I'll always love his character because he was this mysterious doctor where we, we couldn't tell what side he was really on. Yeah. you. But based on this story, you, you wanted almost him to get a reunion with Vecna. It would have been really it would have been really cool to see that or even more. I wanted maybe more behind the scenes of, of that situation of how they decide, you know, like I, I get that. But what what was going on through his head so there's still that unresolved issue there but that 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 one was wanted to be it's kind of like oh we wanted yoda to have a reunion with the emperor you know speaking of star wars but yeah we yeah. didn't get that unfortunately and i mean i've still they've never really answered how or why brenner knew to test these children in the first place and how the heck did he survive the demigrant we never are we ever going to get that yeah the little <laughs> just the, here's that scar you know yeah uh so you know and you know papa's like I love you. Like, you know, just give me that. And she's like, bye, Papa. Yeah. So she oh. kind of leaves him hanging, but you know, she got the collar off. So 
they're like, crap, we need to get back to Hawkins because there's a lot of crap going down. And it's like, I don't know. Meanwhile, let's go back to Russia. We have our uh, Russia plot going on where we left off. Hopper and Joyce reunite. It's great. We have Murray. We have Yuri, uh, you know, all these guys. But there's still a demigorgon chilling in the middle of this prison. And then I really liked we had this creepy. It reminded me of a little bit of like Alien Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Reminded me of uh, Jurassic Park 3. Independence Day. And all this stuff. They go through this like lab in this Russia prison and there's demigorgons and demidogs in like juice just like hanging around. We don't know if they're alive or not. They're just they look like experiments. And there is some substance that looks like it's part of the mind flare. Somewhat what we saw with Will, that bit of, you know, dust that came out of him. But then they kind of just like find a tunnel and they leave. And again, it feels like a lot of the Russia plot was. The Russia plot was so that like 80s action trope where we you can't really you can't dictate the logic of how they got there or how they get out. It's just like it's the 80s action. It's the Rambo. It's it's. Because you're like, it shouldn't be that easy to get out. But the Demigorgon is kind of wrecking house and taking all these other Russian prison, you know, these Russian uh, guards and things. But of course, they know they have to go back. Because they're like, oh, wait a minute. We can't obviously get to America right now, but it's a hive mind. So we have to go back. And if we destroy all these things, maybe we'll give the kids a chance to stop Vecna. They still don't really explain, though, how how and where Russia got all this stuff. Well, that and that's another one of these unresolved things. Like, I wanted to find like how long the Russians have been researching all this and whatnot. Like, it's like, okay, we see this stuff. I'm not just gonna be like, oh, we're gonna leave this. No, let's destroy this now. But no, we got to go back. So there was a lot of stuff with the Russian. I wanted to see maybe more behind the scenes of that. Like, how are they involved with this? How do they get the? How do they get these particles contained? You know what that is. And so I'm guessing. And then we see. So what, what they insinuate is these particles get loose and then they basically reanimate these demigorgons and demodogs. So we have, which is probably one of the, the coolest action sequences. I love this. this, um, And I love that we get that reunion where it, it's kind of one of those tough things in this show, which I don't know how you felt about this. The whole pairing of Joyce and Hopper, it felt like it was kind of like, this is kind of fan service because I always felt like they were really good at friends but it was kind of like, listen, we've been through all this. And I thought how they handled from volume one to volume two, it was great. It wasn't like, oh, we're just going to go hook up here. It was like, you know what? No. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It always felt like they had a romance, like the ship had sailed, but they've been locked in the situation because of Eleven and Will and all these things happening. You know, if the upside down stuff had never happened, I think Hopper would have stayed a, a beer guzzling smoking doing nothing boring sheriff like if you remember going back to season one they're like uh yeah uh, you gotta go out and do that thing and he's like not in the mornings mornings yeah. are donut time you coffee know, like- and contemplation <laughs> only <laughs> so like even that looking how hopper has gone through this arc where he he kind of has these like especially in this volume four he had these dark moments where he's like everything i've touched i've cursed and I hope Eleven's having a better life. And what about your woman? She's not my woman. She she deserves someone better. Like you see this kind of dark pivot. So then when he does have a reunion and, you know, they're like, you got in good shape because obviously he's like not been eating the prison. And like he just when you go through that bad a situation where Hopper realistically could have died any any day, it is a little earned that she did all that work to try to save him. So she's just as 
crazy and bonkers and heroic as he is to have fought his way to survive in this place, even with the Demi Gorgon going on. But I did love, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get to the main big plot of, of nine and what the kids do to, to try to battle Vecna. But the Russia stuff with with going with them going back in and being like, we have a flamethrower and our guns. And I, you know, again, that kind of drastic part, creepy going back in and all the guards are dead. Minus one, he's like, <gasps> the popsicles, you know, but in Russia and they're like, yeah, he has to kind of like translate. And you see that all the tanks have been broken, so they're all loose. And it's like, where did that thing go? It's like, that's them. They're they're alive. It made for some good, creepy, let's go find the monster work. Uh, I love, you know, Hopper's like, I'll be the bait. And he goes to check the demi-dog. And that one scene, too, you saw like two demi-dogs and a demi-gorgon chasing him down a hallway. I was like, yeah. you better run, you bastard. Like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Woo! Uh, but. It led to some great moments of Murray just getting a blowtorch, some stuff. And then for as dumb a plot as the Russia stuff has been, for it to lead to Hopper fighting a demigorgon with a broadsword, it made up for it. It's his it's his Conan Barbarian moment. It was really great. And I love I'm reading stuff on there like, oh, how did he have that? I was like, okay, guys, do you not pay attention? They had all these weapons to like and it was just epic. I was like, uh, my only gripe was it would have been hot, but and I don't know how much he was blowtorch and stuff. But uh, oh, that was so epic! It was just like his 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 Conan uh, Barbarian moment, and to kind of like really like this whole Dungeons and Dragons, this theme they've kept through it, where he's slaying the dragon. It was it was really epic. And Hopper, this is like his this season is just these two parts have been awesome for his character. David Harper has just pulled out all the stops, some epic two epic monologues, and then he's had some great. This is a so great. I lot of it's uh, it's his last action hero just getting to to come in and be a badass. Yeah. Uh and really prove himself. And I think that's something that's gonna that's gonna roll over into season five, uh, because he will be a strong warrior to fight off some of these demigorgons and stuff, having slayed a few himself. Uh but you know, really a big plot of eight and nine was the kids who are in Hawkins come up with this plan of this is a way we can try to go slay Vecna. And it's actually a pretty smart idea. They think, what if we use someone that has already been almost killed by him, Max, as bait, and so that he's stuck looking for her in this situation, and then they can actually go through the upside down to where Vecna's chilling, obviously, in that big mansion, and try and kill him. Yeah, which I think it's this is like where I love these dialogues and where characters make the smart choices, and they're like, hey, well, listen, he's just like L. We know her powers. We know her weaknesses. So, uh, so we're like, oh, so this is what we need to do. Is like when he's in a trance, you know, we can take him out. And I love this whole coordinated idea. Like, okay, we got our teams here, and so we've got. I love the, I love the pairings, which I think, which is great about this season. There's been some great like pairing offs. We're finally getting some people that normal haven't been together. I mean, so we've got um, Lucas, Erica, Max yep. are going to be ones going into the house in the real world in our to, world to be the bait. And kind of uh, part of phase one, and then of course we've got Dustin and Eddie, which is another great pairing. I love I love their pairing, especially these last couple episodes. They're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna go the upside down along with uh, Robin and Nancy and uh, Steve. Steve. Yeah. And okay, so we're gonna be the kill crew, and um, Dustin and them they're gonna be the distraction. We're gonna we're gonna because all, all those all those bats yeah. are just and there's tons of them. I mean, they're they're a lot, so they're like we'll distract them. 
they kind of use the RV and the upside down. They kind of put armor around it and try to make it, you know, bat proof. And it, it, yeah, it all kind of seemed like, okay, this makes sense. It's let's distract him in the real world and then get the demi bats off so that they can go in. They have, I love it. Actually, <laughs> the scene of them going to like the army surplus store actually reminded me as, as a kid, when I used to be in boy Scouts, like I would go to one in town that had like, you know, you go to get camping gear or like a backpack or whatever. But I mean, the place had knives, guns, yeah. it has yeah. everything. So I love that they kind of, especially you got to remember, this is the 80s. They just go in and, and buy up all this ammo and they make, you know, uh, Molotov cocktails. I know, Eric is <laughs> carting around gasoline, kerosene. And it's, just, and stuff like it's, that. A, it's just really funny that they they kind of go in, yeah, into like the, the Rambo, like they're all have their, their, they're like camouflage and like well, they all look gear. like it's like the Red Dawn, like they're all the kids from Red Dawn. Like, all right, we get little Robin's got a little beret on there, <laughs> and uh, we do have still our basketball bully Jason is still uh trying to chase down Lucas, and uh, you know, he's very intense. Um, uh, and so since this, all this plan is going to be happening, since Eleven knows it, she can't physically get to Hawkins. They're like, well, maybe there's another way if we can do the bath thing, if we can find a place for me to get in a bath and have enough salt and everything, I can't do a piggyback through her memories. That's a, that's a new plot, a new power that she knows she can do. Uh, having seen some of Max's memories in the past with Billy. And so I did, it, this is where it's like, again, that fast times at Ridgemont high kind of goofiness. It was just a hilarious scene to me of Argyle. Like, all right, I'll take you to a, another chain. Cause that pizza chains out in this place too. And the guy, you know, he's like, look, bro, I'm going to need one of your bass. And the, and the guy at first, he's like, I don't know, man, we're about to close. And he's like, and then Jonathan's like, how about this? And he offers him some weed and he's kind of like, okay. Like, <laughs> it was just so dumb and goofy. And then I love that Argyle makes a pizza. Cause it's like, I know, is this starving. pineapple? And this pineapple here is like, don't, don't deny before you try, man. And 11, of course, is like, ooh, it's good. But I like that they have this, they make this bath. And before that whole thing happened, this whole season did feel that although there's some like that action sequence still is one of the best sequences of the whole volume of volume one, that that gunfight at the house. But we, we were left with a lot of not will getting a lot of screen time and clearly trying to set up this whole he is gay. He has feelings for Mike. We finally get to see the painting revealed and it's, you know, very Dungeons and Dragons. And he's like, look, Mike, you're the leader of the group. You're the you're the king. You're the heart. Uh, everyone looks to you and Eleven's always going to look to you for that. Um, but he has this kind of con, you know, confining with Jonathan moment, not coming out and saying he's gay. But I just really love that Jonathan, who also has not had a ton of screen time this season, um, this moment of him being like, I miss that we don't talk. And, you know, you can always come to me and no matter whatever happens in life, nothing's ever going to change that you're my brother. and I love you. It's just a beautiful moment of Will. One of the most beautiful scenes, uh, yeah, entirely. And I, I just love that it was not, it was just handled so well because you're like, you know what? They really haven't had any brotherly moments for a long time. So it was really, to me, I was like, that means a lot, especially you and I both being brothers. It just, it, it meant the world to me seeing that scene. That was, it was just beautiful to see. And, you know, I like that Mike and Eleven are kind of back to being flirty. And, and you know, of course, we've just been joking so long a lot, like, Mike, just say I love you. Like, what? What's so hard about saying? He just—he's so nervous. He can never say it. Uh, but in this moment, 
they make this bath out of this, you know, freezer thing they have in the pizza place. They make a makeshift thing of goggles for her, and she she goes into her her trance to try to help Max out. And I will say, overall, the plan did work quite well. Uh, although, yes, we had Jason came in, and him and Lucas had a crazy fight showdown. That honestly, it's that it's it speaks widely to especially things we see so much today of like people just believe the darkest things and they don't, they can't imagine that there's, you know, a different path. And I think Jason being someone that really was like a lot of things you see today in the news was, was a good writing choice, but I don't know if Lucas would have like actually won that fight. I mean, Lucas has never been in a fight before. He's one of the nerds. So like, I was like, dude, the guy's holding his own, uh, you know, quite, quite well. But the plan, I think, worked pretty well. The thing for me where it kind of got underwhelming, and this is really where we're going to pivot into Chris's critique corner. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a, a new, new segment, th- on, our new segment on, our, on our podcast here. The Duffer brothers are afraid to kill off a main character. Mm-hmm. This has been a trend since day one. And this has been openly criticized even by Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven. And it's, it, you know, it's it's not to the point where we want Game of Thrones, where we, they hack off three an episode and they're like, oh, that goes those three. But it would make so much more weight because Vecna came off to me like we've had the Demigorgons and they're just beasts that lust for blood. We've had the Mind Flayer who can control things. We've had all these dark entities, but Vecna can speak. He has powers like Eleven. He's the controller of all this. He created really what is the upside down now. He's kind of made the vision of Hawkins and everything. I wanted more weight to him. And it felt like in this last episode, like, you know, through Max's vision, they're at like the snowball. Yeah. She's able to hide in her memories, kind of like inception style. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And and they're able to fight each other through that. But Vecna kind of gets his ass handed to him a little bit. And I was like, I would, I would imagine this is where Vecna can really show what he can do. Cause you're like very kind of the Freddy Krueger, like you're in my world, you know? And then when they go to his little, dream castle spate that's you know it's all blood red and it's you know you see the floating clock and stuff it's like he finally got 11 stuck against a door and even like i love the visuals of like steve and nancy and robin are up in the in the mansion and the vines are just choking them against the wall eddie and i mean we have to talk about eddie in a second here with that awesome guitar solo but vecna he goes to kill maxine and he does it so slow like Every person he killed in, in volume one, when he was like, it'll be over quickly. It was like bone creak, bone creak, bone creak, bone creak, eyes out, dead. Maxine, it's like, and bone crack, bone crack. It's so slow. And I was like, they can't kill her off, can they? They just can't do it. And, and the, the thing I've not really liked too about the show, because they've done it too much, is when someone like Mike will be like, you know, Eleven's in the bath and Mike's like, Eleven, I love you. You can do this. You're a superhero. And it gives her like extra strength to fight. I'm like, we've seen that too many times now. Yeah, what is this? Kingdom Hearts? You know, like, yeah. believe in yourself. Light. <laughs> um, I'm just, yeah, I'm a little over that trend. And I wanted just, I wanted Vecna just to wreck more in this, in this last. And we were promised like a couple deaths. Only really one was notable. First off, Eddie did do get to do that great guitar solo, which was just, Master that was, of Puppets, Metallica, yeah. and also another great song, top two choices for this, but that was like 
we had teased about it in the trailer, like, okay, this is going to be, and I had a feeling that's where it was going to go. Like, he was just going to be like, I need to be distraction. And it did not disappoint. Because him, and that was just, oh, so great. Um, they need another music video with that. But um, Eddie has been this whole season, you know, kind of he talks tough, but he's been kind of the meat character. Like, you know, he's he obviously, that freak, he's been freaked out by seeing these murders happen in front of him. He's been on the run. And so he's like, this is my time to shine. And then where him and Dustin are like, oh, you know, you got to get out of here. And he basically like, I'll distract him. But then he's kind of like running off. But then he's like, no. No more running. And he's like, no, I'm going to fight these these bats head on. Such a great send-off. It's so sad that he didn't because I really felt like it was gonna, he was going to make it. So did I. I thought at one point that's when the, you know, Hopper killing the Demigorgon would have stopped the bats there. But, yeah, Eddie, Eddie takes the brave way out, helps his friends. Uh, the bats bite him too many times. And, you know, the bats do eventually fall, which was cool. Um, but yeah, Dustin has to kind of go and, and Eddie having this moment, you know, I didn't run this time. I didn't run. And, you know, it, it's like a hero's death. It's, you know, again, the Dungeons and Dragons thing about this whole show for him being the leader of the Hellfire Club, having this freaky situation where he's running for his life. And, you know, just everyone thinks that he's this crazy cult murderer uh, for him to have this heroic ending, although I really didn't want him to die. It just continues that trend of like every season they have to introduce some really unique character that dies by the end of the season. Yeah, Bob, we had Bob, you know, Shay. <laughs> well, I mean, Bar Barb was killed off early on, but you had Bob, uh, you had Bob it, you had, uh, you had, yeah, Billy, although, you know, Billy went the villain route, but that was because he was possessed. Uh, you had the Russian dude who, you know, I thought was great in season three. No cherry, no deal. Um, yeah, no cherry, no deal. So I was just sad to see Eddie go, but, um, you know, yeah, it was a great character. But, I mean, the plan, although Maxine does get kind of wrecked, the plan did work. They were able to hit Vecna twice with two cocktails of fire. And then Nancy, this badass moment, shoots him like six times. And the last one gets him out and he falls on the floor of the mansion outside. And I did love and they go back outside. We have that Michael Myers little moment where the body's gone. Yeah. So clearly Vecna's not dead. But he's definitely injured. And so you, you kind of think, oh, we 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 hit him, you know, we got him, but not to the point that they would really want, because we do have a last gate kind of open. Because Maxine, uh, she technically dies. Maxine technically dies. Her her eyes are basically blinded. She has like blood kind of screaming her eyes, and at least three of her bones are messed up. And Lucas just holding her, and he's just, you know, devastated. Um, and that gate opens, and I did love the visual of Jason just being torn in half by the oh, gate. Oh God, yeah, I was like, that you deserve that. <laughs> that was a great death for him because he was a he was a douchebag. Uh, but this was pretty cool visual of seeing the four points where Vecna had made murders: the the RV, the lake, here, you know, and it becomes this giant cross gate. Where the gates of hell literally open it up. It just, I mean, it's, you know, we've we've seen a pretty big gate in the lab. This is a full town gate, and it's just huge. So that happens, and Hawkins is like, you know, people think it's an earthquake. So it was interesting how the show kind of left off with our, our friends and family get to kind of finally reunite after all this stuff. Um, you know, Mike and all of them show up and, you know, see Nancy and, and, you know, they're like, oh, my God, I get to hug again. 
And it was kind of funny. We we talked about how we've been shipping that Nancy Steve life. You know, even Steve has that great monologue where he's like, you know, I've always envisioned having a camper like this, which that was a funny scene when they stole that that RV from the, you know, people <laughs> going on the road with, you know, like six kids and the wife. And you know, I've always thought that'd be you. So we've had this whole Nancy Steve reuniting because of this situation. And then Jonathan shows up and it's like, oh, boy, that's right. You're still my boyfriend. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, and you can kind of tell there's a little bit off there, but they are like, we have to hide 11 again. And they go back to Hopper's cabin, which is still wrecked from the big version of the mind flare in, in season three. I love how they kind of look up and you see where the, where oh, the head is. Yeah, that's it's still like, there. Oh, yeah, we still haven't fixed that. Uh, that was great because, of course, Hopper was in Russia. Uh, but a really touching moment for Hopper to reunite with 11. And I loved how it was like flipped in a way where she's now the one being like, I never, I never doubted. I left the door three inches open. Like it was just a very touching. And I love too the little things of like, you look so different. You're not fat. And like, you're, you know, I got the same hair as you. You copy my (laughs) style. Like it was very cute. And even seeing Joyce again. And, but then will he's, he's, he's not dead. His his, uh, his spider sense, his mind flare sense. His, his Vecna sense. Um, and then, they, yeah, they kind of do this epic walk off and they look out to the town and there's just barrowing smoke and haze. And it's like, and Eleven's kind of looking like, all right, you bastard, what do you got? Um, which I loved. It was very Clint Eastwood looking off in the posse and being like, all right, we're going to war. And it, it I think season five can be really big. I think I just wanted more of a, a death. Uh, because Maxine's in a coma. She's not dead. I think she will come back. Maybe she'll have something new with her. You know, Vecna's touched her now. Maybe there's going to be a power. I don't know. Eleven. Maybe possesses her. Yeah. The doctors were like, her heart stopped for like a minute. There's no way science can prove what got her back. And so, you know, there's a lot of theories of what could happen moving forward. But season five is going to end this series. And I think Vecna's going to come back with uh, quite a vengeance. And uh, so I'm curious. You know, the kids are already kind of old and I don't know how long we're going to get till season five. I would imagine 2024 maybe we'll have. And I wonder if they're going to do two parts as well. But um, they have talked about a potential time jump. And I'm like, well, how much of a time jump can you do? It looks like the town's already starting. Yeah, they starting to be destroyed um, unless Vecna needs like six months to heal. I, I you know, I doubt it. Um, so I think it's going to be curious to see where they go, especially with you know, they kind of made it explain that Vecna was roaming the upside down. He saw this, this wasteland and he he basically saw the particles in the sky that were the mind flare, but used it to his own advantage. So clearly he is the all ultimate power of the upside down. Uh, even, even the Duffer brothers have said that there will be more explained about the upside down. Yes, which I was I was really bummed about. I wanted more from that because he kind of was like, you cast me out this and that. And that was it. So I'm really hoping for that next season we get more because that's one thing that's always plagued me about the show. I want to know more about this other dimension. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a big kind of plot point that everyone took for like, oh, this is going to mean something that the Upside Down is stuck on the day that Will was captured and they did nothing with that for volume two. Yeah. So some of the stuff is where I kind of go. I think volume two was entertaining, but it was underwhelming. They didn't answer a lot of questions that we still had. And I, I, you know, whether that was just, you know, 
I loved volume one so much and I wanted more from that. You know, I, I think for me, the peak, the peak moment of volume one for me was the whole giant monologue of, of Henry telling, you know, becoming number one. All Like that was just such a great twist that we didn't get, you know, I want Vecna to really be a, you know, a dark person that can kill more than, and I think at some point the Duffer Brothers just got to be like, we have to have a couple main characters got to go. They got to go at the end. Uh, that's the biggest weakness. I think a lot of people are like, we're at that point. Like, just do it. Like, it'll mean more of how the characters move on than just we always we always get by. Because if the characters always survive, there's nothing to fear. Kind of like Jurassic World Dominion. We're like, yeah. oh, they they, they escaped the dinosaurs again. There's yeah, no Chris Pratt, Somersault, you're good. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, for me, volume two, you know, I, I I gave volume one like a 10 out of 10. I was like really enjoying it. Volume two, uh, it's going to sit more at seven to eight out of 10 for me. It's, uh, you know, still a lot of good writing, a lot of good visuals. And the show is still very enjoyable. But I think it took uh, it didn't land the, the finale the way I wanted it to. But it has still piqued me my interest to see where they go for season five. I agree. I'm going to, I want to stick with an eight as well for those reasons uh, as, that you stated. And uh, yeah, just because it, I, I, I definitely agree. There were some underwhelming moments and I wanted a little bit more of resolution. There's so many threads that they have not uh, put through the needle and they need to. So, but Hey, why don't you guys tell us your thoughts? Of course you can go back and watch all of season one through four volumes, one and two now on Netflix. And uh, we look forward to hearing your thoughts. But that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.